say you are Apo what? You say you are Apo what? If you have ever sold candy bars, if you have ever sold candy of any type, when you tell somebody apostolic faith tabernacle, you understand that they have no concept of what apostolic is. You understand that you're going to have to spell apostolic, maybe even faith, and you're definitely going to have to spell tabernacle. And so why do people say AFT? That's part of the reason. They don't want to spell apostolic every time they sell a candy bar, every time somebody writes a check. And so what we are going to talk about is a principle that's found throughout Scripture. And, and you know the Word of God is so magnificent. If, if you look at the Word of God as a whole, you will begin to see principles that started at the beginning and followed all the way to the end. And you will begin to realize that this book that is put in the Bible was not just a random piece there. But it was supporting an overall picture of what God was doing. And when you really, really delve into the word of God, you begin to realize the more that you know, the less that you know. Because God is not going to just make his, his ways and his word just easy for just anybody to get it. But you're going to have to dig into the word of God. You're going to have to pray. You're going to have to find the mind of God. If we could go to Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. In the second verse of the Bible... And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. God was in the, in the second verse of the Bible letting us know if anything's going to happen, the Spirit of God has to move. If formation's ever going to come, the Spirit of God has to move. If spiritual formation is ever going to happen in your life, the Spirit of God has to move. You have to allow God to move in your life even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's no fun, even when there's funner things to do. There has to be a desire that I want God in my life. And whatever it takes, I'm going to get it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we love you. We praise you, God. God, you're so glorious. You're so mighty, God. God, you're a wonderful God. You're a glorious God. Oh, God, move in this house, God. God, we need to hear from you, God. We need to feel you. We need a touch. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated. Another principle in scripture that is throughout it is that the spirit empowers for a mission. We can look at Moses and we know that Moses saw a work 
that needed to be done. He saw a mission. He saw something that needed to be changed. And so he took it upon himself to kill a slave owner, a slave driver. And because of that, his life spiraled down into a horrible place. Why? It's because he saw the mission, but he had no anointing. He saw the mission, but there was no direction. There was no power in his life. We see that Moses is in the wilderness, and he runs into a burning bush. And he recognizes this burning bush, and God tells him to take his shoes off. He's standing on holy ground. Here we see where God anoints him with a mission. He says, I want you to go talk to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. If Moses was not much different than you and I, we quickly tell God why we can't do it. Moses quickly says that I, I, I don't talk well. I, I don't have swelling words. I don't have all these abilities, which I find hard to understand seeing he was in the court of Pharaoh. But after this anointing comes upon his life, we see him walk unashamed into Pharaoh. The man that he was running from for so many years, he did not hesitate to walk into his presence. And God began to do miraculous work. We see the rod turn to a snake. We see leprosy come and go. We see the, the ten plagues. We see the Red Sea part. We see manna. We see so many miracles. And it's simply because Moses went into a wilderness. And he found some time with God. And, and, and he came into contact with a God that empowered him to do a mission. Why am I talking about this? Because each and every individual in this house, I don't care if this is the first time you've entered into this house, God has a mission for your life. He has a purpose for your life, but you're never going to experience it until you experience the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We can read Numbers eleven twenty nine. I find this passage as one of the most phenomenal passages. Let me give you just a little update. Moses is getting old. He no longer has the ability to run with the, uh, with the amount of energy that it takes. And so the anointing that was on him was put on the anointing of the 70 elders. And, and because of this, there were some individuals that, that found that they wanted to linger in the presence of God. And God was moving in the house and everything. And, and, and then they begin to prophesy. And one of the other elders, one of the young elders, ran to Moses and, and pretty much tattled 
that God was moving on these individuals and, and only God can talk through Moses and, and all this. And Moses said unto him, Envious thou for, my, thou for my sake, would God that all the people, the Lord's people, were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. What Moses was beginning to realize is that I brought these people out into the wilderness. And they're up and down. They're in and out. Today they believe God can do it. Tomorrow they don't know. Why? They had no anointing in their life. Moses had anointing on his life. That's why Moses walked with purpose. The 70 elders had the anointing on their life. They walked with purpose. But all these Israelites had no anointing. And Moses here prophesies and says, I wish that all the people of God would be prophets. I wish that every individual had the ability and the power to live above sin. I wish the people, all the people of God would walk in authority of his word. That, that would walk into the power and dominion that is given to them. He's saying, I wish that the people of God would do this. This all happened because Moses messed up the first time. He saw the mission. He took it into his own hands. But the second time, he says, I'm not doing it that way. I'm walking in anointing. I'm walking in authority. And I'm taking dominion. And you, you, we don't understand really what happened in Egypt. He bankrupted Egypt. He, he destroyed their whole army. He ruined their whole, whole economic structure. God destroyed Egypt through the hands of this one man that simply found a place with God. And God told him what he needed to do. So we're seeing that prophets in the word of God always have anointing. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, 1 through 4. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each with one hand, six wings, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved, and the voice of him that crieth, and the house was filled with smoke. There's something about when you come into contact with Jesus Christ, you really begin to reflect at yourself. You really don't see yourself until you come in, into contact with the Spirit of God. Right. Why is conviction in this house? It's because you've come into contact with God. God is showing you that there are areas in your life that you need to work on. Because you're coming to contact with the Spirit of God. 
Verse 5 then said, I woe is me, for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. That's why repentance is so important with receiving the Holy Ghost. Because there has to be a point where you truly look at yourself. And you're honest with yourself. And you don't cover up. And you don't find excuses. And you don't say, well, it's my genetics. You don't say that it's because of the way I was raised. You simply look at yourself face to face and you say, I need God. Woe is me. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched the lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. We see here that Isaiah had a spiritual encounter before he ever could fulfill his mission. So I, I see so many parents, so many mothers that say, God, help me to save my children. Help me to turn them around. Help me to reach them. Help me somehow, God, to lead this family to God. You're never going to do it until you have a spiritual encounter with God until anointing comes on you and you begin to walk in the authority of God and God begins to help you as you reach for your family because God has a mission for your life and one of the principles in scriptures we see it in Moses you cannot take somebody to some place you've never been why could Moses walk a whole nation out into a wilderness? Because he's already been there. He's already been there. He was not afraid. He's already been through the wilderness. Let me tell you, you cannot disciple a saint of God if you have never experienced God. You cannot help a brother or a sister if you have never had a walk with God. You can't, you can't help your family if you don't have a walk with God. You cannot reach. You cannot stretch. You cannot take somebody somewhere where you have never been before. We see 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. Second Peter 1 and 21. For the prophecy came not in old times by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. We understand throughout the word of God, there's simply a principle that God empowers individuals to do a work. We can look at King Saul 
We could go to 1 Samuel verse 10 and 1. Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain of his inheritance? Then we could jump down to 10 and 12. And when they came thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him. And he prophesied among them. And it came to pass when all that knew him before time saw that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets. Then the people said one to another, what is this that is come unto the son of Kish? It saw also among the prophets. And one of the same place answered and said, but who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb. It saw also among the prophets. We see that throughout scripture that the anointing that came upon a king was often similar to the anointing that was on a prophet. We, we can look at David in 1 Samuel 16 and 11. And, and um, when we look at David, he was actually considered a kingly priest. And so he took and lived in the authority like it was supposed to be where Saul did not because Saul had a spirit of rebellion in him and was consistently coming up against the man of God in every choice. And it was more about me not looking bad than it was me being right. And that's one of the dangers of being an apostolic is not making sure that you're right but being worried about looking right. It doesn't matter if I look right, I must be right. God's going to look at me and he's going to say, is he right? He's not going to say, does he look right? He's worried about me being right. Then Saul took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of the brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. We can also see that Solomon had anointing put on his life. And is there a sadder story? Then Saul, possibly Solomon's story, that the anointing of God was put on his life and God prospered him and made him great. And he found himself kneeling at a false God's idol. So we went through the Old Testament. Now we could look at the New Testament. And we could look at John the Baptist. In Luke chapter 1, verse 41. And I know I'm taking a lot of time to prove a point that God always anoints individuals for a mission. Luke 1 and 41. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. So we have John the Baptist that had the anointing on his life. And why was he able to walk in dominion the way that he did? It was that anointing that was put on his life. We could look at Acts chapter 1 and 8. And we're all familiar with this passage. But ye shall receive power 
after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Judea, Jerusalem, and in Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. We can see the mission part of that. But before I talk about that, I want to talk to some individuals that have tried to live above sin. That you have tried to quit smoking. That you tried to get rid of addictions. That you tried to quit fornicating. That you tried to quit uh, committing adultery. You, you tried to quit fulfilling your flesh and all the desires of it. But you can't do it because you're bound. That's very understandable. Why? Because the principle in the scripture is that you receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That when you experience what, was, what happened in Acts 2.38 and the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you're going to find out you're a completely different individual. You're going to find out that things that, that bothered you, that chased you down, no longer bother you. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is working through you. Why? Because God gave you a mission. God, God put something in you when he, filled you when he fills you with the Holy Ghost. And he's going to make an overcomer in you. Where you can live above sin and where you've never been able to do it before. You've tried to quit sinning before. You tried to live a life that was above sin. You tried many churches, but you've never had the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is going to empower you to be the individual you need to be. God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost today. God wants to pour out his spirit on you to make you an individual with a purpose in life. Right now you're just wandering around, just bouncing around, just living from day to day, just going with the flow. But God has a purpose for your life. He has a mission for you. I want to talk to the church for a little bit. Acts chapter 1 and 8 specifically says that he has given the church a mission to be witnesses. That's the mission for each and every one of us, which I understand that God has other purposes for your life, but it does not matter who you are. When he filled you with the Holy Ghost, he gave you the mission of, being, of reaching souls. That is his purpose for your life. And yes, there are so many other callings on an individual's life. I don't know that there's a higher calling than an individual called to be a saint. Paul talks about individuals that were called to be a saint. Individuals that all their, their purpose in life is to help and further the kingdom of God. They don't need any limelight. They don't need anybody giving them accolades. But they're there to pray. They're there to pull down the power of God. They're there to, to do what they can. They're, they're not the type that the pastor has to call into his office all the time. But they're simply there. They're called to be a saint. We can look at Acts chapter 2 verse 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, 
They were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. This is important. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you will speak in another tongue. It won't be one that you recognize, but it's going to be one that God puts on you. When you yield your tongue 100% to him, he's going to take control of you. And so as we go further into this, we could read Acts chapter 2 verse 41. And we would find that there was 3,000 souls saved. We could look at Acts chapter 4 and 4. And there was 5,000 souls saved. We could look at Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, 26. It was an individual that allowed himself to step from within his normal people that he invited to church. It wasn't the normal people that he invited to every get-together that we have, every big get-together. But he allowed the Spirit of God to move on him and he was spirit led to invite an individual that was in a completely different area and we understand that he was reading from Isaiah 53 7 and 8 and then we could talk about Paul on the Damascus road where he was knocked down from God where he came face to face with God you know what was wrong with Paul? He had a mission with no anointing. And what he was doing is he was killing the people of God. He was destroying the church because he had a mission, but he had no anointing. We have to be so careful that we allow the anointing to rule our lives. And yes, God is going to use us for a mission, but we have to keep everything in order and make sure that the Holy Ghost is first. Hallelujah. We understand that God was moving on Paul and Ananias at the same time. In this situation, the Holy Ghost moving. Hallelujah. We understand that in Acts 10, the supernatural power that happened with Peter and Cornelius. This crossing of barriers that at that time was a huge situation they were extremely racial in this situation where Peter did not feel like he could reach for him but God used Peter because God had to get Peter to change his mind you know many of the problems in our society are that we are trying to legislate morality the solution to this world is for the church to be active and the church to reach. And for Sunday schools to love on kids that are different nationalities and different races and, and that are different economic statuses and change this world because they have a mission. It's not an obligation, but God put a mission in their heart. They're not wasting an hour of their time, but, but they understand that they're on a mission. 
And they don't just teach lessons. They pray over their lessons. They, 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 sometimes God tells them to shut up. When they're about to get on some subjects they shouldn't get on. Or sometimes God's saying, you need to talk about this. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not the place for this. But God leads you and you deal with some things and bring healing in the individual's life. Hallelujah. When we look at the testimony of the people that talked about Jason and certain brothers in Acts 17 and 6. This was not the apostles that made this statement, but this was the individuals that were all around that said, these are they that turn the world upside down. They were not bragging. This was people looking at them and saying, these are the people that are world changers. These are the people that are making a difference. These are people that are changing lives. So as we close... First, I want to say, let's be very sensitive to anybody that wants the Holy Ghost today. And I want to tell you, if you want the Holy Ghost today, that the first thing that you do is repent of your sins. And God loves to hear your voice, and nobody's going to listen to you. But you just begin to tell God, I'm sorry for my sins. God, I'm sorry because I failed you, God. I've, I've tried to live for you, but I don't have the ability. God, would you give me the power to overcome sin? Begin to talk to God like that. And once you have gotten everything out of your heart to God, God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. In closing, I want to talk to the church. I have to ask myself, am I truly apostolic? When I look at the New Testament church, am I apostolic? Is the spirit working in my life? Is it working through my life? Is God using me to reach Am I, am I recognizing working in God's mission? Or have I got sidetracked about so many things in life? And I understand we have to work. We have to pay bills. We have to buy groceries. We, ha we have to take kids to youth services. We have to do all those things. But am I truly apostolic? Or is it simply a title that I have borrowed? Am I, am I walking in the authority that God has given me? Am I walking in dominion? Let's all stand. Let's begin to talk to God. If you want the Holy Ghost... I'd encourage you to come to this altar. If you want to talk to God, I'd encourage you to come to this altar. Church, why don't we invite people to this altar as we come to this altar? And we begin to think about our lives.
and begin to consider, are we walking in dominion and power? Is the Holy Ghost really moving through me? That's it. God wants to touch you. God wants to heal you. God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. That's it. That's it. Allow God to fill you. If you want the Holy Ghost, come to this altar. If you want to, if you want to renew your commitment to God, come to this altar. God's wanting to work in your life. God's wanting to do some mighty things in your life. Oh, God. Come on, saints, let's call out to God. Let's call out to God, saints. Let's create an environment where God can work. allow God to move on us to change us God's wanting to change you Oh. 